2: Mails here, it's two minutes later than yesterday. And because you know it's six minutes earlier than the day before, you decided it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, we're ready to help at every stage of your search. Build a resume, get industry tips and advice, and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com.
3: Beers. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast. Well, we're going to switch it up a little bit this week, and we have got a really exciting special guest joining us uh, from all the way down in the bayous of Louisiana. We've got Mr. Bayou Soul himself, Mark Broussard, joining us. We're going to talk to Mark about his journey into his music career, uh, from his origins in his music family to... Uh, Now the rock drinks tequila and listens to his songs. Plus we're going to get his take on the NFC South. We're going to do a little NFC South preview with Mark and, uh, and so much more plus our garage beers of the week. So come on up the driveway, pull up a lawn chair, crack open a cold one and join us for garage beers. All right, and welcome on in to the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, a great episode here. We have uh, another, we've been so lucky with all of our special guests. We've got another great special guest here uh, tonight that we're going to bring in in just a little bit. Uh, uh, and it's a little change of pace for us. We, we've, we're going to talk a little music here tonight, but we're also going to throw in uh, our NFC South preview as we uh, get ready for the NFL season to come on up. Uh, but before we get to our special guest, as always, our little introductions here, Michael Keefe uh, here on the west side of Cleveland. Uh, at Garage Beers Mike on Twitter. Over there on the east side, Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad?
4: I'm getting attacked by mosquitoes, mosquito eaters, and mayflies right now, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let's do this. All right, yeah. Hey,
3: listen, you'll be one swollen up. Hey, actually, you'll kind of look normal uh, by <laughs> yeah. the
4: end of this. <laughs> I'll look a little more attractive. I'll look, I'll look better looking. <laughs>
3: Maybe the rest of your body will match your head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: They don't call me the human bobblehead for no reason.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chad's having fun with the bugs over there in the garage and down in Nashville, Tennessee, Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe?
5: I think I found my new alcohol love. It's like freeze pops that are like, uh, I don't know how to describe. them. They're like vodka freeze pops. You can buy them at the grocery store. And there was like a strawberry watermelon, like a lemon one. And, like, oh, my God, outside, like, 95 degrees, having a little freeze pop, getting a little buzz off of it, fantastic. Yes.
3: Yeah, that's, so that's the way good. to do it. Refreshing, yeah, right. refreshing. and you know feeling good. <laughs> we, we don't discriminate here on Garage Beers. Yeah. We might like the beers, but we can do Garage Freeze Pops, too. That's cool.
4: Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you just said you don't discriminate here on Garage Beers, yet you were mad at me last night for having a vodka drink.
3: Listen, Joe. Joe didn't bring it on the podcast oh okay <laughs> right. you better have a beer tonight we're gonna get to it <laughs> oh but before do. we do I, that before we get into our garage beers of the week we want to bring in our our special guest. and again i said we're gonna we're gonna switch it up a little bit tonight we've got uh, uh we got a little music to talk about which we're really excited about uh, we've got an artist uh, we're, we feel really lucky to be joined by uh, a guy that's made his way to the billboard chart several times uh, uh he's an incredible philanthropist aside from being an incredible talent uh He's uh, Mr. Bayou Soul down there in Louisiana, uh, and uh, he's a bit of a Louisiana sports fan, so we're going to get into that, too, but we want to welcome on Mark Broussard. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the Garage Pierce Podcast.
6: What's happening, boys? <laughs>
3: How you do? Dang it. Why do I have to come from a place like Cleveland that can't sound
4: cool like that?
3: Right. right. <laughs> I can't I mean, do I'm that. I'm
4: going to be jealous. I'm just, it's going to be an episode full of jealousy for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You come from Cleveland, you just
6: sound you're just white. That's that's
4: white. Y'all just gotta move to the south
6: side of Cleveland and then you pick up some of this thing, right? Yeah.
3: That's true. When you move to Parma,
6: you do get an accent.
4: (laughs) Of (laughs) course, south in Ohio, you you get apparently that that's the south because you hear the slang a little for sure. Yeah, people in southern
3: Ohio think they're from the south. So Uh, so Mark, how's life down there in Louisiana? Everything everything treating you well?
6: Man, it's going real well. Uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, my father and I and my brothers uh, started adding a patio roof to my, my, my dad's house. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. we It's been a while since me and the boys got together uh, and did a real serious project. My dad and I added on a second story to my house about uh, four years ago. So, yeah, man, it's fun. It's, there's not a whole lot of people that we know that can do the kind of things we can do when it comes to construction. So it's a lot of fun when we get the team together.
4: That's exactly, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had that on my uh, list to ask you, you know, I've read that you're quite the handyman. And with this quarantine, I bet you, you have probably have a whole new house by now with how many <laughs> projects you're on. You're, you're under-
6: <laughs> Listen, man. Yeah, if- there's, there's definitely some things in the works, <laughs> but right now we're focusing on mom and dad's house. See, they postponed this patio roof to help us get access to that equity in their home to oh. add the second story to my house about four years ago. <laughs> so we've been, I've been paying them off ever since. And uh, finally they, they got enough equity to pull the thing together.
3: Listen, I'm just saying, if you, if you ever catch a tour that brings you up North into the Cleveland area, I, I probably have some projects uh, that, <laughs> that, that could use some work. So, <laughs> uh, so listen, before we get into a little bit about Mark Broussard uh, about his career, about his talent, about his, again, we want to talk about his philanthropy, which is really cool. Uh, we got to start, as always, with this week's Garage Beers of the Week. Uh, and so as we always do, we allow our special guest to uh, kind of tee it off for us first. Uh, so basically all we do, Mark, is tell us what beer you're drinking, where it's from, and a little bit about it.
6: Yeah, so this is uh, Parish Brewing's, uh, it's called Cane Break, it's a wonderful, wonderful beer that my wife really fell in love with, the Louisiana Wheat Ale. And this is bottled by a Parish Brewing Company based in Broussard, Louisiana. It's a
3: fantastic beer. Got to love it. Broussard from Broussard, Louisiana. Got to love that connection.
4: Uh, that, that has to be right up there with Jay Crawford right now. <laughs> uh,
3: I'm telling you right now. Yeah, he, had a, he had a beer with his face on it.
4: Yeah, Jay oh, Crawford, pretty good. he big time us. Yeah, he went He went and made his own beer, and, and they made a custom label with his caricature face on it.
6: <laughs> yeah, and I, I hadn't got that deep into the game just yet. <laughs>
3: that just made me think uh, they didn't even – my face is a caricature. They just have to print mine on there, and it looks like one. Uh, pretty cool. Again, man, I'm, the whole thing that's going to get me this entire interview is just going to be how cool things in Louisiana always are. The parish, the parish just sounds cool. And kind of scary, and
6: yeah, I, I love it. I love Louisiana, fellas. I gotta say, uh, you know, it took a long time for me to get to this place, though. Most of my life, I wanted to leave here, and yeah. uh, and then I started traveling around the world, and I found out just how much how much I love this place. In fact, years ago, I remember we were sitting around a campfire, and this guy that used to work for me on tour, uh, Robbie Undaya. I posed the question to the group and I said, If if aliens landed today, right now, and took you and, and said they would take you with them, but you could never return, you could never say goodbye to your family, you could never see them again, would you go? Excuse me. And at the time, I definitely would have said yes. And and all that time leading up to it, and then my boy that used to be on tour with me, uh, he said, Man, that's a joke. Come on now. And I said, What are you talking about? And he said, after all the traveling you've done, where do you want to be more than anywhere else in the, in the world? And I, I, he was right. He was dead on the money. I, I love being home. It's a very, very special place. I live 30 minutes, 20 minutes from the largest swamp in North America. Uh, I live on the street that I grew up on. My parents are about 150 yards this way. My brother is about 400 yards this way. That's cool. And uh, it's just a really, really special place. The support system we have here is is something that we could not get anywhere else. So um, I, if you have never been here, come on down. I say the last weekend of April and the first weekend of May is usually the best time of year to come. There's a, some amazing music festivals. New Orleans Jazz Fest goes on over those two weekends. But there's also a festival here in Lafayette, where I live, called Festival International. That's the largest French festival in the country. Cool. It's totally free. And so if you got, if you got those two weekends... I think that's the best time of year to come. The music and the food is sort of unrivaled. Okay. So, yeah. Come on down boys. Yeah, You're going to get
3: that, that, that message right there is going to connect. Uh, again, we're, we're a, we're a Cleveland bunch. That's going to connect with a lot of the people up here that are listening in Cleveland. Cause we all, we all kind of went through that. Uh, now, Joey does live in Nashville, but man, I remember, I remember I've always loved it here. But I remember everybody talking about how they wanted to get out and go to Chicago and New York and all these other places,
4: somewhere warmer because the it, weather here isn't exactly uh, the best.
3: <laughs> there, oh, lo-
4: yeah, no doubt.
3: Lo and behold, uh, most of those people are right back here in Cleveland because uh, you know sometimes you got to leave somewhere to 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 realize how much you like it. So that'll resonate here. So for sure, uh, cool beer there for uh, for Mark Brouss- Broussard. We're going to send it down to Nashville for Joey uh, and Joey's Garage Beer of the Week.
5: Okay, uh, for my Grass Brew of the week, I have the Muchacho, uh, the Mexican style lager from Good People Brewing Company. Um, it is a nice and crisp, refreshing, uh, definitely one of the better Mexican lagers that I've had. It's got a little more body to it and flavor than like a Corona Wood or like a Dos Equis or something like that. And uh, I don't know, pretty, uh, pretty tasty.
3: All right, now let's take it over to the east side. Chad, what is your garage beer of the week?
5: Well, I went uh, with an Ohio brewery
4: this time, guys. Uh, it's Brew Dog, okay? We, went, oh, yeah. to, we went, went to Brew Dog, and it's called the Tangerine Clockwork. It's um, a, a session beer. It just says session on it, but it's uh, very citrusy. It almost tastes more like a Hefe, Hefeweizen. Uh, you, you get jealous of that German accent there, Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a Hefeweizen. Um, yeah. And, and it's very tasty. Uh, it, it's real smooth going down, not bitter at all. Um, you know, a little fun fact, I don't know, Mark, if you've ever heard of these, but a little fun fact about BrewDog, they've got a beer hotel down in Columbus there where it you can, awesome. uh, where you, where you have beer taps in your room, like keg taps yeah. in your room. <laughs> you, you can get beer infused massages. Yeah. They you have like get, hot tubs. You get in a hot tub of beer. Lies. No, you get a hot tub of beer.
3: Where? Live Where? for real. Where? Look at the Brew Dog Hotel in Columbus, Ohio. Brew
6: Dog Hotel. That's—I don't know if I'm supposed to be grossed out or fired up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Listen, I would not recommend drinking the hot tub. Don't maybe, drink the hot tub. A
4: little bit of both, Mark. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt.
3: <laughs> Down there in Flavor Town, Ohio.
4: Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. It, oh my gosh. That's another. That's. I think that's a whole different question. But oh, yeah. that's a different you story altogether. Yeah, so, uh, that, Mark. Yeah, it's crazy. So
3: Chad's <laughs> got brew dog going here tonight, and I got a special one for all of us. Uh, we got a special guest we're really excited about here with Mark Broussard, and so I thought I'd have a special beer, uh, and this is courtesy of, uh, of Joe's dad, John Whelan, uh presented me with these beers tonight, and I'm very excited. From Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky, so Cincinnati, basically, Cincinnati. Uh, 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 the name of my beer is Garage Beer. Oh,
0: Oh, look at that!
3: (laughs) Okay! So I've got the Garage Beer Lager from uh, Braxton Brewing in Covington, Kentucky. It's a match made in heaven. Uh, Chad, you should do your little pitch there, uh, Braxton Brewing Company, if you want to. Yeah, Braxton Brewing Company, if anybody's
4: listening. Yeah, if anybody's listening, contact uh, Mike, Joe, or myself for sponsorships. Thank you.
3: (laughs) Hey, listen, it's cool. It's just... You know me, the the Mister IPA guy. This is just a nice light lager. Uh, it's delicious. It's got a it's got a good amount of flavor. It's just a good drinker for maybe sitting out by the fire or just kind of a good summer beer. So the garage beer lager from Braxton Brewing Company uh, joins the party here on garage beers, and uh, that uh, those are our garage beers of the week. So cheers to you guys and uh, cheers and let's get into a little bit about our special guest Mark Broussard as we as we get into these garage beers. So. Obviously, Mark, uh, born and raised in, in Louisiana. Uh, we just talked about the fact that you, you, you wanted to get out, but now you're back and you love it down there. Uh, so just talk about uh, talk about your life growing up. You had an interesting interesting story growing up coming from a musical family, uh, and obviously that transitioned down to you. So just tell us about growing up down in Louisiana and and, and how, you, how you really found your passion for music.
6: Well, so I was born uh, in 1982. And um, my, my folks, I was the youngest of three boys. Both of my older brothers are four and six years older than me. And uh, neither one of them really really took an interest in music the way that I did. So by the time I came around, my dad was really anxious to find, hopefully, to pass on his gifts to uh, one of his boys. And I came along uh, singing around five years old. We were watching Back to the Future, and my dad Heard me singing "Johnny Be Good" over and over again, and he 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 said, "You want to learn that song?" And sure enough, he taught me the lyrics the next day. I memorized the words pretty quickly, and he started playing. I started singing in key, and uh, he put me on stage that weekend because he was a sort of a what they call a weekend warrior. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a lot of guys down here that have day jobs all week long, uh, and then play play music on the weekends to sort of make the make the extra vacation money, if you will. And uh, he had a gig that weekend, and he put me on stage, and I've been on stage ever since. I'm 38 now. And uh, I started doing this professionally when I was about 21, 20 years old. And it's been a hell of a ride, man. It's a very, very interesting business um, because, you know, most of the people that come into this business right away, are around 18 or 20 years old with very little fan base and very little uh, to show for themselves. And so the standards in my industry have sort of crept lower and lower and lower over the decades. Until now, it's just uh, it's a real nightmare to sign a record deal these days. So I went independent about six years ago, and uh, things have been incredible since we did that. Uh, I'm very grateful for the record labels that, that sort of gave me a launch pad early in my career. Um, but not everybody takes quite as much advantage as I have. So uh, I've been enjoying the hell out of myself, man. Like I said, six years ago, we went indie. I launched the foundation to uh, use some of the record sales. Again, this is money that I never saw when I was on major record labels. Uh, now that I'm in I see this revenue coming my way, revenue that I never needed to keep the lights on for my family or feed my family. So we decided to sort of fix the karma on that money. It used to go to keep the lights on in office buildings in New York City and Los Angeles. And now it goes to keep the money, uh, excuse me, keep the lights on for people that are about to get evicted from their homes. Or it goes to uh, keeping the lights on at a children's hospital, which is our latest project. S.O.S. 3 was a lullaby album Hmm. and a children's book that we put out to raise money for a brand new children's hospital in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hmm. So, yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun for me. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, they say about my job, they say that it's great work if you can get it. And I can attest to it. It's definitely one of the coolest things that you could ever do. It's taken me around the world. Uh, I've been to, you know, several Asian countries. I've been to the Middle East. I've been to Russia last year all over Europe. So it's been a a hell of a ride. I feel like one of the fricking luckiest guys on planet earth, but uh, I I definitely am trying to use that platform for something more than myself. So that's kind of the long and short of it.
4: Now, um, now you said you went indie six years ago, Mark, Uh, you know, you've been with uh, Island Vanguard Atlantic and G man records, you know, for, for a novice to the music industry, what are, what are what are some of the I mean, obviously, you probably from a financial aspect, it's it's it really helps to have a be signed to a record label. But what are some for novice in the music industry? What are some of the biggest differences in being with a label and being independent?
6: Well, I can outpace almost every single one of my major label counterparts when it comes to release schedule, Um So when you're on a major label, you're competing for attention from from the PR department specifically and from the executive structure. When it comes to greenlighting the projects, the executives all have the final say on whether or not they're going to cut those last checks to get the record mastered and get it all ready teed up for promo. But really, you're jockeying for a position against the rest of the roster. So if I'm on a label that also has Kid Rock and also has Bon Jovi and also has Beyonce and, and you know 20 top tier artists, uh, me as a D-lister is, is not gonna get the kind of love or, or attention that I want on my timetable. Whereas cool. now that I'm indie, I can do whatever I want. We can release as many projects a year as we want. That's really the biggest difference. But uh, creative control, you know, I don't have as many cooks in the kitchen these days because when a record label is putting X number of hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line for you, uh, they tend to want a say in the creative process. Even though none of these folks have ever written a song or recorded anything in their lives, they st- I'm sure a lot of people that are listening right now can, can attest to some higher up at their job that has no idea what you do for a living, and no idea how to actually do your job. Telling you how to do your job better than they, or, or at least thinking they know how to do your job better. That that stuff exists in my industry as well. That's out the window. Um, you know, early on when I signed on with this new management company, which was right shortly before we went independent, uh, some of the things that I brought to the table, they thought I was crazy. You know, they thought, especially with the, with giving money away from record sales, they were like, what are you doing? What, what, what the hell is wrong with you? And I knew that the strategy was sound and it worked like a charm. So they don't, they don't really bother me anymore. When I come out with crazy ideas, they say, okay, yeah. <laughs> how, how can we help pull this off?
3: So you talked a little bit about your, your, your travels around the world, uh, which uh, obviously that's very cool to, to be able to say that you've seen places that, Frankly, a lot of people aren't going to ever say that they've seen. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the cool things that I think, uh, I, I don't know how many times you've done it, but I know you've done some of the trips over to see, you know, some of the military bases, um, you know, uh, I, if that was in the Middle East, I'm going to guess. Uh, yeah. So just uh, talk about that experience, because, you know, I think we, see, oh, we see artists going, we see comedians going. I, I always get stuck on my social media when they show the old uh, Robin Williams performing over there and then like taps plays and he has to stop and he doesn't know what's going on. Uh uh so just talk about that experience of of going over there with those with the men and women that are over there serving overseas and, and and what it's like to go over there and and perform for them.
6: You know, it was really an interesting trip. Um we had eleven shows and I think we did uh two stops in Japan, a couple or three stops in Korea, and then we flew to the Middle East, we flew to Bahrain, and um uh, Before we all went, it was during football season. So the last conference call that we all had as a band with our liaison uh, from Navy Entertainment, because it wasn't a USO tour. It was through uh, a program called MWR, which is Morale, Welfare, and Recreation. And um, our liaison, we all had this conference call with her. And uh, we asked, are we going to be able to watch football on these bases? Because we were staying on nothing but military bases. And she was really non-committal about whether or not we were going to be able to watch football. And then we flew from Houston straight to Okinawa. And it was probably 8 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. And she says, okay, before we stop and check in the hotel, we're going to stop and get some food. And we pull onto the base, and pull into this sports bar with football on every TV. Yes. And I said, said, Karen, have you been to this place before? She said, oh, yeah, every time I come. I said, how many times have you been here? She said, uh, seven or eight before y'all. I was like, okay. I mean, there's a signed Warren Sapp jersey on the freaking wall. So anyways, that was kind of the kickoff the whole thing, and there was a bit of, of rubbing heads with that gal for for the majority of the tour. Uh, she was sort of a uh, ball buster. But um, the coolest thing that we got to do by far, we took off from Bahrain in what's called a cod. It usually carries the mail or the groceries out to the ships, out to the carriers. Uh, and it's one of these planes that can grab the cable on, on the carrier. Ooh. So we flew and uh, and... They told us, we're going to wave our hands, and it's about 10 minutes, and then we're going to wave our hands again, and you got about 30 seconds to a minute that we'll be on the deck. Woo. Now, you're facing backwards, all right? So the, the nose of the plane is there. So when you grab the cable, you go backwards into your seat. And cable, there's four cables on the, on the USS Enterprise. is the ship that we landed on. Cable three is the, the cable that the pilots really, really like, and cable three was busted. Oh. So we hit the deck <laughs> After that second wave We hit the deck in about 25 to 30 seconds And it wasn't too bad You know, we didn't slow up I didn't go back in my seat very hard I was like, oh, this isn't so bad Nah, we missed cable three Oh. We were back, we were back up in the air We bolted oh. off the deck And they just banked Until we were back onto the <laughs> deck
5: <laughs> oh, Immediately
6: Immediately the back gate comes down <laughs> We file into the, into the ship and somebody says, hold on, guys, the rear admiral of the fleet is coming down. Now, for those of you who know about these guys in the military, the, the, the guys that really command. I mean, this rear admiral's got, like, two carriers, probably three battleships, some bunch of radar ships, a couple submarines under his command. And, and he's really sort of, like, the best guy I could compare him to is Mitt Romney. He's just a really straight-laced CEO-type guy. And he comes down, and there's about nine of us. There was five band and four crew. And uh, he starts going down the line, introducing himself, first and last name, to every guy in the band and crew. And we all respond in kind, first and last name. Now, at the time, I had a guy tuning my guitars named Brent Smith. But Brent and I, years prior, had sort of gotten a little lifted on my back porch and decided... To come up with alien nicknames for each other and for everybody we knew. <laughs> and, uh, and his nickname ended up being Byraton. I don't know why we call him Byraton. Like I said, we were lifted, <laughs> we were high in life. And, uh, <laughs> and Byraton became Byra, which turned into Bootleg Byra, which turned into Bootleg Byra the Beast. And so this rear admiral gets down to the end of, of, of the line, and, and my boy does, oh, what's up, player bootleg of the Beast, to this rear admiral. It was nuts. It was no nuts.
2: Oh,
6: oh, it was nuts. So then we're walking through this boat, you know, and I'm seeing guys and gals, and I asked one of the, one of the officers that's walking us through, he's a really cool guy, he, he wasn't too straight-laced. I said, man, there's got to be some, some messing around going on on this boat, you know? And he says, oh, yeah, the fan rooms. There's these intake and exhaust fan rooms, you know, maybe every 100 feet on this boat, and they're really loud, and you can close the porthole door, and they're pitch black. So during the show, we're playing a show later that night in the hangar bay, and I decided to be cheeky. I'm, I introduced us as, as Mark Broussard and the fantastic fan room fellatio. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, and look, look there's, there's, like, there's like 150 sailors in this hangar bay, and they're all like this.
3: We don't know what he's talking about. We don't know what he's talking about.
6: We're blowing up our spot. We don't know <laughs>
3: what
4: he's talking about.
6: But, yeah, man, we got to watch night operations, uh, flight ops during the day and night ops. And then they took us on a Blackhawk to a boat called the Kearsarge, which is an amphibious landing carrier that that the harrier jets fly off of and we got to watch night ops with the harriers taking off with the goggles that the pilots wearing it was an insane trip man it really was amazing
4: that, that sounds more amazing than any uso story that you ever hear like, like that just sounds like you you got to more it was incredible in that.
6: wow wow <laughs> and check it we didn't miss a football game not a one we were in the middle of Djibouti, Africa, on a forward deployed base. And, and, and we were in the mess hall, and we were complaining about not being able to catch the Saints game. And one of the officers was like, oh, I'll I get the game come, in my office. I, it's going to be on <laughs> at 4 o'clock in the morning, but y'all come, come me. on. Come over. With me. Oh, my God. Well, uh, yeah, it's on Djibouti yeah. broadcasting yeah. systems. Yeah, yeah. Djibouti. Djibouti. Oh, yeah. Even when we were, in, we were in Bahrain, we were staying off base, we were staying at the Crown Plaza. And they obviously didn't have the games on, so I ended up calling home um, my, we were trying to get the game on in my room, and then my drummer and my bass player finally just rolled out. We were trying to find it on like one of those you know one of those torrent sites or something, and it just wasn't showing up, so they went to bed and I called home I FaceTimed home <laughs> and uh I'm talking to my wife for a little while, and I could see the TV on in the background and I said. <gasps> <laughs> Hold on, I said face the laptop towards the TV, and I called up my drummer and my bass player. I said, "Hey, fellas, you want to come watch the game in my room?" And they were like, "Oh no, we watching it on sportscast. We're just watching the play-by-play update, you know." I said, "Well, I'm watching Reggie Bush get up off the field right now."
4: Well, <laughs> <laughs> they ran to my room, man. <laughs> hey. uh, well, uh, Mark, but getting back to the to the music a little bit, uh, one of the things. You know, I got introduced to you in about 2009, and I've been a crazy fan ever since, man. Uh, but one of the things I admire most about you, you know, is, is the versatility that you bring to your music. You know, uh, you know, you, you on across any one of your albums, you can find rock, pop, jazz, funk, soul, R&B. I mean, the the, the list just goes on and on. And I've never heard someone's voice just fit. And I mean, I know I'm gonna fanboy here a little bit, but I've I've never heard someone's voice just fit so well with all different styles of music like is is that something you strive for or did that something just kind of like organically happen like did you have a set style you wanted to go with or did that just organically happen to have that variety
6: no you know i'd like to say that it's some sort of visionary uh you know creative direction on my part but it's really just add (laughs) I, i never really you know i i take the muse as she comes and she comes in different fashions and forms. So uh, I'm just going to take the inspiration and run with it. And, and if the song is good enough to make the album, I, I, I don't mind having sort of disjointed albums. And it has been a, a sticking point for some critics, you know. But I'm not here for the critics, I'm here for fans. And really my goal at the end of the day is to give people a uh, song for every season. And I think that we've done a fair a fairly decent job of that
3: yeah it's pretty cool uh, uh I will be honest uh, Chad introduced me to you uh, uh and and so I kind of was going through listening know we were gonna do this and uh the album that I keep listening to is that s o s album yeah which you might not even like because it's it's a lot of covers
6: it's all covers except by one but
3: you covered like uh, my favorite genre of music is Motown. Yeah. And you just went ahead and covered Marvin Gaye. And, like, Sam Cooke is my favorite. My wife and I danced to Sam Cooke for our for oh, our nice. wedding song. And Otis Redding and Bill Withers and the Pointer Sisters, uh, R.I.P. to Bonnie Pointer, who just recently passed away. Like, uh, just talk about the, the thoughts of uh, how, how much fun did you have making that album, putting your spin on these just insanely classic songs you know, bring it on home to me, like just these crazy songs, putting your own spin on it. Uh, and, and the fact that it's just so listenable always, like I can just sit and listen to that anytime, anywhere.
6: Yeah. So the the first SOS project, we've now done three, I believe. Um, the first SOS was a project out of necessity. I was on Island Def Jam. I had put out a record called Karen Crow. It did fairly well, but there was a big regime change in the, in the C-suite in the executive structure, it was a whole regime change. And so when it came time for my sophomore album at Island Def Jam, the new executive wasn't really into it. He didn't, he didn't like the record very much. And so uh, I asked to be let go, and, and they dropped me, but they didn't let me take this album. I I'd actually made a second album. They spent $150,000 wow. uh, letting me make the second album. but They just didn't want to put it out. So I asked to be let go, but they didn't allow me to take my record with me. It had been almost three years since Karen Crow had been out. And when, you, when you're trying to book shows, especially early on, when you're, when you're sort of you know up and coming, promoters want to know that there's promotion going on outside of just their expenditures. So so long between records, it was time for us to get another project out so that we could go back out and have something to promote on tour and, and have the promoters out there buying shows, uh, give them something to sink their teeth into. And I had just written all this brand-new material <laughs> that they wouldn't let me re-record. There's uh, also a re- re-record restrictions in, in those contracts, so I couldn't even re-record the music that I had just recorded. Uh, so the only other option was either to go back and write some new, more material, which we didn't really have a, a big window to do, or to go and cut some covers. And that's what we decided to do. That was a a record out of necessity. Excuse me. Luckily, Vanguard Records uh, picked it up sort of sight unseen. And we, we were back up and running. We were back off to the races, back on tour. When I went independent, I decided to sort of take that same model uh, in other words, I'm not going to, I'm not going uh, if, to, if, if I don't have a bunch of original material, but I want to get another album out, well, instead of me just dropping the covers album and keeping the money for myself now that I'm independent, again, we're talking about record revenue, which is something that I never saw, ever. Right. I never saw a dime of that, of that, just because of the way the calculus breaks down. When you're on a label, essentially, you're never going to pay the money back unless you take a very, very small amount. So, um, I, I decided to to convert these records into revenue that we could use to help people that were in need, and uh, and so that's what we've done. SOS One was a soul covers album. SOS Two was another soul covers album, and SOS Three was sort of the first transition away from the soul covers into something else. And we did a lullaby album with a bunch of different kind of you know some some songs that aren't necessarily uh, lullabies. We kind of turned them into lullabies. But the future is wide open for the, these these records, because again, it gives me more time between releases, between original releases to really write some amazing, or at least what I would consider worthy material uh, that I'd want to put on a record, worthy, uh, excuse me, material that I've written myself. Um, and then it also allows us to raise some money for some folks that are in need. So the beautiful thing is that with these SOS records, like I said, the world is, is, is sort of wide open. I can, I could do a country version. I could do a classic country, you know, that's I could cool. do a, a, a gospel record at some point. The, the, the sky's the limit with them. And that's what, what makes those records so much fun because we get to sink our teeth into songs that, that we really loved most of our lives and sort of try to breathe new life into some of these albums or some of these, some of these songs. Uh, it's really been sort of the game changer for us in a lot of ways, especially since we do started doing the charity. Aspect. Yeah, and I
4: was going to say, especially in now, like in, in today's day and age with the whole you know Black Lives Matter movement and everything going on with the, with the George Floyd situation and also COVID. Like, what are some charities nowadays? Because I know you've donated a lot to Hurricane Katrina victims. And, you know, but what are some charities you're focusing on now that are, you know, near and dear to your heart? No,
6: I mean, SOS2 is almost four years old now, and uh, we've been sending money month over month. Every time we sell records, uh, there's a homeless women and children's shelter uh, in in Atlanta, in Atlanta's most underserved neighborhood, uh, that boasts 95% success rates with getting people permanently off the streets. It's an incredibly comprehensive program that we've helped sort of get them to a, a great place, and they've started to, to franchise that model out elsewhere. Um, we, the last SOS project, which came out last fall, is uh, SOS 3, the Lullaby Collection, as well as a children's book that, that I wrote and a friend of mine animated cool. or illustrated. And that goes to Our Lady of the Lakes Children's Hospital, which is a brand-new St. Jude affiliate hospital that just came up in Baton Rouge that expands this region's ability to care for chronic and terminal illnesses uh, by by some some like 80 or 100,000 patients a year wow for that's this awesome. region so it's it's a it's a really really seriously amazing facility uh, and and again for the life of these records these organizations are going to get to participate on that revenue that's cool and and you know every other year we're going to put out another SOS record and we'll partner with different charities and and try to you know find identify places that I'm passionate about, so that I can really tell my fans exactly why we're doing what we're doing.
3: I'm thinking about going and, and telling my wife to turn on SOS three right now because uh, I do not know why my three year old is out here making noise <laughs> at 9:50 <950 laughs> at night. <laughs> but I think he might need I think he might need you. I think he might need
6: that album. Put it on, brother. I, the babies have been sleeping like. Like angels with this record. <laughs> Listen, Mark, if you could make that happen.
3: Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. We will. We'll, we'll have you on the talk anytime, all the time.
4: <laughs> I'm fortunate. Love I'm it. fortunate enough that I'm out in the garage right now because I think mine's still crying too. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> my two, my two-year-old is still crying, having trouble going to sleep. So, uh, mine are yeah, all I, old, man. I think I'm- <laughs> yeah, my, mine are
6: all older now. I, my youngest is nine. My oldest Shoot. is about to be eighteen. Shoot. Uh, yeah, Get we're, it. we're sort of in a, in a we're in a whole other set
4: of circumstances nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a
3: different sleeping situation, right. altogether. Right. for sure. Try getting, yeah, them, out getting them out of bed. Out
4: of bed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark. Well, I wanted to play a little game with you. I wanted to go through your albums, and I wanted you, I was curious on what your favorite song is. And through all these albums, can we do that? Sure, sure. If I remember all the songs on these <laughs> albums, man, we got I a say. bunch of albums. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking I'm taking it all the way to momentary setback. All right.
6: I would say The Wanderer is is my favorite on momentary setback, probably. Uh, actually, you know what I take that back. French Cafe is the best song on on maybe yeah. one of the best songs that I'll ever record.
4: French Cafe. Literally the defer- third. Literally the third song I've ever listened to. And I listened to it on a loop as, as soon as I heard it, man. Yeah, it, was, it was amazing. I wish I had written it. I didn't uh, write K- it. Okay. All
6: right. Uh, Karen Crow. Home, obviously. Come on. Home is, yeah. is, is, is you know, I, I wouldn't have a career without that, that song. That's
3: cool to hear, though. Like, we'll, we'll keep going through the albums. But, like, I feel like there's a ton of artists that like when they, cause that's like the, that's the big song. That's, that's when you look up your name on any music thing, that's the first one that comes up. For uh, sure. There's a lot but of I, artists out there that seem to like have a little disdain once their song gets a certain level or bigger when it's their biggest song. And I, I never understood that. Uh, so it's it's cool to hear that that's the one that just came right to your head.
6: Yeah, I, I wrote the song with my dad, um, it's evolved a thousand times. It's still evolving. It's still a ton of fun to play live. It's got sort of the dynamic range that I want. It's got the small moments. It's got the giant moments. It's a very, very, very fun song to play. I love it. Cool.
4: That's the first song I ever got introduced to you by, and I remember when I finally saw, I like, I had a picture of what you looked like in my mind, and then when I saw you, I went, "That sounds coming out of him. He looks like he looks like he's a high school
2: kid." <laughs>
3: <laughs> you didn't have the full you you you, you were even pre Joey's beard at that. That's point. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs>
5: You're on the tricycle. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: all right uh keep coming back
6: there's a song called another night alone on that album that uh i'm very very proud of as an arrangement i think it's one of the most musical arrangements that i've i've ever had a, a, a hand in and uh it's it's a very powerful song i was in japan when i started writing that song so i, I was for the first time i was the the furthest away from him i had ever been and um, it, it was sort of just kind of sprang up. The muse just visited me in my hotel room in, in Tokyo. And uh, and I, I, I'm very, very proud of that song. Okay.
4: Uh, a life worth living. The, a life
6: worth living. Uh, the song that I wrote for my grandmother. My grandmother was the, my muse the moment she passed away. Um, I felt her presence and like snapped up out of bed, ran and grabbed my guitar. And it's one of the most uh, emotional times, I think ever for me. It's sort of a really strange process to write that song. And it's happened about four times. They're all associated with, okay. with people dying, but essentially it's, it's a process of like quieting the mind and sort of waiting for this lyric to be zapped into my brain Typing the lyric out and then looking at the lyric and then sobbing my eyes out and calming my mind, waiting for the next lyric. And all the while, literally, like I can feel my grandmother's presence just kind of wrapped around me while I sit there trying to write the song, telling me, It's okay, baby. It's all right. I I have to go soon, though, so we need to get this done. But keep going, keep going, because the family's going to need this. So it's a very cathartic process. And uh, I think the product speaks for itself.
4: Sounds amazing. Like, did you? Like, that sounds a lot like uh, 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 Paul McCartney. Did you ever hear his story about how he wrote "Let It Be"? Yeah, man. Yeah, about how his his mom visited him in a dream, and he just said, yeah. "It's all right, Paul. Just let it be." I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't happen um,
6: every time, but it's very, very powerful when it does.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, self-titled. Your self-titled album. Mm.
6: That's a good question. Um, I don't really remember every track on that album, but I would say that Gibby song, which is a hidden track on that album, is is probably my favorite. It's about my second-born child.
4: Yes, yes. That's that's my favorite, too. All right, Uh, Easy to Love.
6: Oh, man.
4: Um,
6: I probably would go with easy to love. Uh, it's, there we go. It's a great song, man. It's such a simple song. It was written by my guitar player, Joe Stark many years ago. His Uh version is very different, but he wrote the song when he's born one day before me, exactly one day. And, uh, and so we sort of went through the stages of life at the same time. And, and he was, Um, living with with his girlfriend. She was in college. He was playing music. And he was sort of starting to come into his own manhood, if you will, and feeling the pressure, the weight of his own life in his own hands for the first time and thinking about how difficult it was to make that transition. And he saw his girlfriend's little Yorkshire Terrier sitting across the room and he said, you know, how hard it is to be a man, but how easy it is to love you. That was the inspiration behind that song. But there are only 11 lines of original lyric, and and it's such a simple yet stunningly gorgeous song. I love love that song. I really do.
4: Okay. All right, Magnolias and Mistletoe, the Christmas album. (laughs) Oh,
6: man. Uh, I don't even remember that one, to be honest. (laughs) Was that me? (laughs) Yeah, I have to pass i have to pass. Were you, were you lifted? Were you lifted? <laughs> I no, mean, but Christmas it's like it's a lot of holiday parties. It's a, just a bunch of Christmas carols and whatnot. I'm just going Christmas, with Jingle Bells. There's a couple of originals on it that, I, that I, I'm very proud of, but uh, <laughs> I can't imagine. I, can't, I would have to look up the record to actually home in on exactly okay. what, I, what I loved about it.
4: <laughs> All right. And then finally, SOS 1 through 3 what's your favorite what's your favorite covers you did
6: uh sos1 would be you met your match just because it's one of the craziest vocals that i've ever attempted it's probably my favorite stevie wonder vocal of all time it's an incredibly difficult song to sing i've never attempted it since uh, uh sos2 i think hold on i'm coming is on that album and okay. i'm also yeah. it's another it's another vocal that's difficult to pull off. I essentially replaced two guys on that track because yeah. it's it's by Sam and Dave, right. and they each take turns singing verses and I, I tackle both of them and I'm very pleased with how that came out as well and then um with SOS3 the lullaby collection, I would say the book is actually my favorite aspect of this third okay. this third album I love. I love that my dad and I got to sing together on this album, but I'm really, really proud of the book. I feel – yeah, I always wanted to be a published author. Never thought it was going to be for children's books, (laughs) but uh, I really, really enjoyed that process a lot.
4: Have you – and now, yeah, I was going to say, I've been noticing, you know, since you've gone indie that your dad has joined you more and more. Has he joined you on music before you went indie? Like, or, or, like, how special has it been to be able to create music with your dad, who's a Louisiana Hall of Fame guitarist, right?
6: Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he still had a day job uh, for most of my career, though. So, since he's been right. retired, it's been a lot easier to sort of bring him in to more, more things like live shows and recording sessions. Um, he went, he, he retired right around the same time I went independent, but it's a blast, man. I get to pay him. Like, you know, I get to pay him like a boss. Um, <laughs> it's it, The fans love him. They love him so much. He loves them more than anything. I, I'll never forget, we played a show at a club upstate New York. And, uh, and it was a great crowd. It was a sold-out crowd. It was probably 150 people. And as soon as we were done, before we even got to the dressing room, it was about a 20 foot hallway to the dressing room from the stage. And before we even to the dressing room, he says, man, what an awesome crowd. I can't wait to go meet them." And he literally <laughs> meant the whole crowd. He wanted to go meet the whole crowd. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. He loves it, man. He really does. And they love him. So I, I enjoy bringing him out because uh, it keeps him young. I think.
4: All right. You know, we're going to start to transition into a little bit more uh, uh, to the sports side of things because we know how big of a Louisiana sports guy you are. But I got one more question to ask you here, Mark. You know, looking up on some, looking up on some of the things, you know, The Rock listens to you while he's drinking tequila. (laughs) Which is the coolest.
3: That's the coolest thing I think you could possibly do.
4: (laughs) Kelly Clarkson did a cover of Home on her talk show. Yeah. Your songs have been featured in Hard Knocks, and they were the theme of the all, NBA All-Star Game. Mm. Ellen Degeneres is a big fan. Okay, but then I I, I, I say t- say to Mike and Joe, hey, I've got Mark Broussard coming on. I, I I want I want Mark Broussard. Mark Broussard's coming on the He's show. He's throwing us under the bus like, right here. He's throwing us under. I, I go and, and they're like, what what's it, what songs does he sing? What's the music? How the – my question is, how the hell are you not more of a household name, man? Because you, you damn well should be. You know, I'm not really worried about becoming a
6: household name necessarily. I, I, tell, young, right. I tell young artists that uh, fame and fortune should not be the goal. Sustainable sure. joy should be the goal. And I've found sustainable joy. Um, I really have, man. Those moments, you know, when I, whenever I get to see The Rock giving me so much love on Easter Sunday, it was a very, very cool experience for me, but not necessarily because of, of him. There was sort of some extra stuff going on. You know, that was three weeks after lockdown happened. That was three weeks after I watched uh, several, you know, several hundreds, $100,000 go up in smoke in the form of live shows that got canceled. Uh, there was a lot on my mind when that went down and having a guy named the rock say, <laughs> we appreciate you. We appreciate you, Mark Broussard. It was definitely sort of a metaphysical, um, very powerful metaphysical cool. moment for me, for sure.
4: I, just got- I, I totally just- expected that answer from you, Mark. And that, but, and that's just, I know, and 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 that's the kind of fame that I would like to achieve as well. Like, because is the the sustainable joy. It's, it's enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, pe- you know, people know you're great, but as long as you're enjoying home and family life, that's all you need to do. I I just I just think you should be because <laughs> that's how much I love your music. Listen, I got <laughs> that's all, man. I just
3: I just got <laughs> chucked under the bus by Chad, so I'm gonna have to go ahead and open up another Garage Bears Garage Bear. Uh, I
6: like it. Perfect. I will <laughs> say though. You know what, I'm out. I need to go grab one. Hold on. I'm getting another. another. Hold, hold, tight, Please uh, do. Be right back. I'm talking about.
3: Oh, that was a short walk.
6: Yeah. yeah. We got the back fridge. That's what I told my wife. I said I've always wanted the back fridge. I've always wanted a second <laughs> fridge that was just full of soft drinks and beer. Yeah. <laughs> Listen.
3: That's that's. I didn't know. Like I feel like I'm. I've achieved the dream. Uh, when it comes to that, because I would like the basement fridge that's just for beer, and I've yeah. got that. But I also have, like, the little mini-fridge in the garage. Yeah. I have two beer fridges, like a one full-size <laughs> and one mini-fridge. <laughs> that, that's yes. a dream. That is a dream come true.
6: It really is. That's right. A sustainable joy,
3: boys. This is what we're talking about.
6: Sustainable <laughs> right? joy. Right? That's right. So how cool Cheers is that,
3: enough. you know, uh, again, a, a bit guilty as charged until – he said, "Hey, Mark Versart's coming on. I go on to listen to music. I'm like, "Okay, I know that song. Okay, I know that song." And it's like, "Oh shit, it's the Hard knock song. I know that song." Uh huh? Talk a little bit about uh, you know, just with us getting into the sports a little bit. Just uh how cool is that like, you know, when the when you're the like the theme song for the NBA All-Star game, they play it a million times. Just oh, like every commercial, every advertisement, uh just how cool is that when you see your song on Hard Knocks as the theme or when you see your song as the NBA All-Star Game theme song, it's just on national ESPN and TNT and everything just constantly. How cool is that as as the artist who did that?
6: So, yeah, it's super it, it, early on in the career when you start, you know, the first time you hear your song on the radio, the first time you hear your song on TV, it's very, very, very cool. And then it starts to happen. It starts to happen Often and and sort of becomes just a normal part of of what you do. <clears throat> I still get fired up again whenever we we land some of those big big promotions, uh, like like the NBA All Star Game. That also you know we we got to play at halftime during the game. I got to play before. The dunk contest, I got to be a part of a celebrity oh, cool. dunk contest. In fact, there's a fantastic photo of me uh, trying to dunk on an eight-foot goal over a, over, a lo- over a folding chair. And I was, I mean, I think I went over 30 on my dunk attempts <laughs> on an eight-foot goal. I, had a little, I was carrying a little, a little extra weight. I went, it was so bad that Mark Curry, who was one of the judges, ended up coming over and trying to help me. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun, man. I, I really enjoyed NBA All-Star Weekend. That was for sure.
4: Well, I said- He we- lifted you, kind of dirty dancing you, did dirty dancing you, just lifted you up by the waist. <laughs> oh, there it that. is. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: ah! <laughs> Dude, my man, my, so I pulled up this picture. All you gotta do, if, if you wanna see it, look up Mark Broussard dunk. Dude. Mm-hmm. That's like, <laughs> that's like a 15-inch vertical right there.
6: <laughs> I hung myself on that rim over and over and over again. It was hilarious. You were
3: decked out. You had like the headband and the armbands. You had everything going. Oh,
6: yeah. You were, su- oh, yeah. You they were gave suited me, up to gave play. Me some sh- <laughs> Yeah, they gave me sneakers. They gave me the whole ball of wax, man. It was fun. That's cool.
3: Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's get over into the sports world and and do something uh, pretty fun that we're going to do. Uh, so you're going to kind of kick this off for us, but, uh, obviously, um, uh, uh, with the NFL season, uh, hopefully still coming up, uh, we're going to kind of go around the league and, and, and you're going to be our first one. We're going to do a, a divisional preview. And, uh, uh, since you are, uh, since you're a saints fan, you call them your saints, uh, uh, you know, born and raised down there in Louisiana, and and uh, a lot of us in Cleveland can relate to what you went through for a long time with the Saints, which was they were real shitty for a long yeah. time. Uh, they uh, uh, obviously turned that corner. They got you a Super Bowl. Uh, you've had a, a, an incredible sustained amount of success now under Drew Brees and, and Peyton, and and so we're going to do a an NFC South uh, preview with you, and uh, so we're just going to kind of go around the division uh and and we're gonna we're gonna get your thoughts on uh on your saints and and some of their rivals which uh uh are gonna be a little different looking this year a little interesting and uh maybe we'll get a little prediction at the end so again let's start with your uh your new orleans saints let's start with your saints fandom and uh first of all before we get into that just give us a little bit of your your saints fandom origin story
6: well i've been a saints fan my whole life um You know, everybody down here really is. It's very, we love football. Um, I I come from a, 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 Kevin Falk is from my hometown. Kevin Falk went to my alma mater at Karen Crow High School. I don't know if you guys remember a guy called Wade Ritchie as well. He, He had a nickname at LSU, Wide Ritchie. Cause he put it in the student section one time, Yes, <laughs> but he ended up playing for the 49ers and he, he played for a, a couple of NFL teams. Uh, so we're, we're really big football fans, especially right here in Karen Crow. Um, but I've been a Saints fan my whole life. That fandom definitely took, uh, you know, got a big boost whenever we got drew Brees. I think the guy is as class uh, a leader as you could possibly have on your squad. And especially at the time that he came in, we really needed somebody like, you know, of his character. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the story of him ending up in New Orleans, but um, he had gone down. Saban was down in Miami, and and he went down and talked to Saban. And they were kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't know if you... Our doctors say that it's a really tough surgery to recover from. And Peyton and... Sean Peyton and Mickey Loomis... Picked uh, picked Drew and his wife up at the airport, and accidentally took a wrong turn. So say, and ended up in a really devastated neighborhood after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, and Drew, being the class guy he is, having the heart that he has, recognized that that there was something that he could do. Just bringing his character into the city, and sure enough, it launched a fire for this organization. And it's been a dream to watch, man. It's been it's been sort of. Heartbreaking at times. Obviously Bounty Gate was was really, really troublesome for yeah. everybody involved. Uh the no call was quite frankly, I got friends uh, that that may never watch the NFL again because of that no call. Um,
4: I was about to ask you, if you saw Nickel Roby Coleman on the street, would you spear tackle him, you think? <laughs> or man <would> you...
6: <laughs> I don't want to talk or, about. Him. Or or <laughs> A tough one. I said I don't want to talk about it
3: Do not bring that name up on this podcast
6: <sighs> um but but you can always cheer a saints fan up with some joke about twenty eight to three because we hate the Falcons. we can't stand the falcons, and so um, our our love for the saints is is probably about fifty percent driven for the hatred of the Falcons to be yeah, honest. all right all right. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't know that there was a
3: person uh, outside of Los Angeles and their seven fans uh, out there. I don't know that there was a person in the country watching that game that wasn't just livid. I was off my couch like, (laughs) and I don't. No offense, I don't really care about the Saints. Like, but I was off my couch just like screaming at the TV, like, "What are you doing?"
4: Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah.
3: What are you yelling about? I'm like, I don't even know, but that, that, that was horrible. <laughs> it was it so rude. gross. Why do you care? I don't
4: know. It's been
3: a, it's been. I don't mean to bring up a bad thing. We'll, we'll go to good thing uh, for the Saints here in a minute. But it's been a, it's been a real rough last three years in the playoffs, huh?
6: Yeah, man. It's been tough, uh, and and it sort of gets to the point where where you you can see. You know, my drummer, who's the biggest Saints fan I know, when that kind of stuff happens, he says, follow the money. Follow the money. And, and, and the truth is is that we can all recognize the NFL's interest in having L.A. be uh, a real contender. You know, they, they, they can sure. get the fact that they could sell those boxes to Hollywood elite uh, versus, you know, some knucklehead oil field boys in the Superdome. Uh, you know, getting those faces in those suites is definitely going to be a boon for the NFL. And, and, and you know, that that was the conspiracy that we all had. Is like, yeah, the NFL doesn't care about New Orleans winning the Super Bowl, doesn't care about putting us in the Super Bowl because the Rams needed to be there for market share.
3: Yeah, well, listen, as, as hard as the road has been the last few years in the playoffs, uh, we're Browns fans, so you're going to have to tell us what the playoffs are even like. Uh,
4: yeah. Uh, what, what's, what does good football look like? Yeah, what is, There's like, games what after is, week 17. Like what? <laughs> what is it? Is it?
3: Excuse me. Did you? I still remember. So my brother-in-law, my Sorry, brother-in-law's, my, a, my brother-in-law's a big Saints fan, uh, and they, I can't remember where they were. They were, they were like out of town, and they couldn't watch uh, the Stefan Diggs game. And it was coming to the end of that game, and I had him on FaceTime, and I was at, I was at my TV holding up the phone. So he could watch it on FaceTime. And, of course, the end of that game, there goes Stefan Diggs down the sideline. Uh, just a crazy end of that game. And I, uh, I'm i sitting there stunned for a second. And then I, like, turn my phone. He's just gone. Like, he's not on FaceTime
4: anymore. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
3: Don't talk to me. I was like, I get it, man.
4: Get out, get out of here.
3: But in the meantime, uh, the cool thing is, uh, you know, no matter what, uh, even last year, again, a hard loss in the playoffs, but 13 wins in the regular season, this, this, this run of success in new Orleans has been awesome, uh, contenders every year. And, and you do have the super bowl, uh, and, and you, you got that ring a while back. Uh, uh, and, and what an incredible journey and ring that was, but, uh, let's talk about this year, uh, because the saints, uh, you know, you still got drew Brees. uh, the NFC South is turning into this like uh, crazy kind of aging quarterback Haven uh, going on down there. But uh, yeah. you know, you come off 13 wins last year. Uh, uh, you've added really good players. A, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver is going to be great with Drew Brees, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, great yep. defense and Jameis Winston who we should talk about for a second. So what are we thinking about? How are you feeling about the saints going into this year?
6: Man, you know, it's weird. It's uh it's it's such a strange year, right? And so it's difficult to build up enthusiasm for a season that may not happen. Right. Um on top of on top of some recent controversy with the team uh with regards to Drew and his statements and and then his teammates sort of bashing him publicly uh, there's definitely some folks, again, I'm not a huge fan. In fact, I watched less football last season than probably any time I, I in my, in my adult life. Um, it's not something that I, that I, I enjoy watching football when it's there, but it's not something that I'm like overly, uh, you know, going to make extra time for my, my drummer is sort of kind of imbued his fandom onto me in a lot of ways, uh, and, and even he, the biggest Saints fan I know, is, is contemplating not watching this season. And some of the biggest Saints fans I know are contemplating not watching this season. So it's been weird. It's, it's sort of odd for us to, like, to really get super enthusiastic about it. Even though we know we got a squad that can contend, it's still sort of it's just so bizarre. Everything's so
4: freaking strange, man. Yeah, there's so many what ifs. You just don't. You just don't know what's going to happen this year. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. From a Saints perspective, I mean, if the season does go on, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. There's, a lot of people are saying this is the last go around with Breeze. They're talking about you know, I saw the, an alert the other day saying there's they're a contender for a rebuild after after Breeze is gone. I, I mean, so it's it's it seems like it seems like an all or nothing year for the Saints. So. I, I don't know. Do, do do you think these? Do you think those fans, even if they, you know, if they claim they don't watch, will they still kind of pay attention and keep watching? Or or do you think it'll be it'll just be uh it'll just be uh, nah, no, I'm not watching. I don't know, man. I really don't know. Like I
6: said, some of the biggest fans that I know uh, are are really not super enthusiastic about this season. So much so that they're contemplating turning the TV off. Altogether, uh, and so I usually, you know, st- I, I wait for for those conversations when we're on tour. I wait for those conversations to 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 get us all excited about the season. And unfortunately, we're not on tour. You know, we I haven't seen right. my guys in in several in several weeks. So we're not, and we're not going to be on tour for the rest of the year. We 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 literally have moved all of our touring back to next year, and so. I, I just, and I've been sort of quarantined as well. So I just haven't had these conversations to really start getting excited about the season. Well,
3: welcome to a conversation to start getting you excited
6: about the season.
3: <laughs> There's, here's the last thing I want to ask you on the saints, because I know he's super popular down there in new Orleans. Uh, people love Taysom Hill down there in, in new Orleans. He's an exciting player. Uh, he does some crazy things for them. Yeah. Man. So, but then they bring in Jameis Winston, uh, who yeah. uh, like uh, you know you could say a lot of things about Jameis Winston, but the dude led the league in yards and touchdowns last year. Like, the dude, he also led in the interceptions. But like, he's got the the skill and the talent there. So uh, if it's up to you, uh, let's say this is Drew Brees' last go around. Let's say let's say he's going to call it quits after this year. You got Taysom Hill and you got Jameis Winston. Who takes the reins?
6: Uh, well, I think that the fact that they brought in Jameis Winston is an indication that they they don't necessarily think that Taysom can can be the number one. Um, but having a guy like that in the game is such a massive tool, yeah, such a massive asset. Because every time he's in the game, you have to account for him in a few different areas. Like you can't you can't let him pass on you. You can't let him run on you. The guy's a stud. It kind of blows my mind that there aren't more guys like him. It's fairly odd to me that there's, there's this one standalone guy that can do the kinds of things that this guy can do. I got to think that there are other elite athletes out there that can, that can handle the stuff. But uh, I, I I don't know enough about the game to, to say one way or the other, but I think just the fact that they're continuing to bring in other guys is a pretty strong indicator that uh that maybe Taysom wouldn't wouldn't have the number one slot after Drew takes off but frankly I'm not even sure if this is Drew's final year (laughs) I think the guy has got the heart of a of a champion and I think he definitely wants another shot at the gold if he doesn't get it this season I don't necessarily think that he bows out yet I don't know we'll see how the season goes you know it's 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 wild I I met Jay Cutler many, many years ago at a bar in Nashville, and we got to talking about where you would meet Jay Cutler. (laughs) Right. And uh, we started talking about uh, who's number one, you know, who's the greatest. And he said Peyton Manning was the greatest. And I would love to revisit that conversation now, five years or six years later, uh, after Drew has put up such staggering seasons over the past few years. I really would love to revisit those conversations. He's such a, he's such a stud, man. I, you know, you can't, you, I don't think you can count him out. I really don't.
3: Now, I, although I will say, I agree with Jay Cutler. Peyton Manning to me is, and it's not even that. Listen, there's a lot of crazy talent. And I don't know. I don't know. Anybody can argue against Tom Brady at this point either, but uh, talent is one thing, yeah, but I, I, I've never seen a quarterback that didn't need a coach. As much as Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning was his own coach.
6: Just go out there, call your own place. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, but look, there's there's stories about when 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 Drew was injured, when Drew was out a few games, uh, he wasn't even at practice. He wasn't even at the walkthrough, and Coach Peyton texted him at like eleven o'clock <laughs> at the walkthrough, saying, "Hey, man, by the by the way, we changed up some of the some of the you know the opening." the opening seven, we changed up those plays and Drew was on the phone immediately from San Diego. He called coach Maiden yeah. and said, what's going on? What did you change up? What, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, uh, so I think, I think Drew is definitely one of those guys that, uh, we may never see again. We, we may never yeah. see his, his kind again, in my opinion.
3: And I love him because I hate, I hate measurables on quarterbacks. I hate measurables. Like it's yeah. so stupid. So I I will always, 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 there will always be a soft spot in my heart for Drew Brees because he's short, short, he's short. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like five, five, but he's not tall.
4: You don't don't get into like 10 inch hands, uh, like 10 inch hands. Isn't a big deal. The dumbest
3: stuff on the planet are (laughs) measurables and he just breaks them all. Yeah. (laughs) So let's go from one clear hall of fame quarterback in Drew Brees. Uh, let's go to another hall of fame quarterback that is, uh, Spent his entire career in the AFC East and is now jumping to the NFC South, getting himself into warm weather. Where, ps, he's never played well in warm weather. Uh, uh, I don't know if we all if you if you realize they always New England would always go down to their Miami trip and get smoked by Miami like every year, because he never plays well in Miami. So that's kind of weird. Uh, but uh, Tom Brady joins the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Tampa Bay uh he brings Rob Gronkowski with him and uh i don't know how you how you feeling about that as as a Saints fan uh to see Tom Brady <laughs> in the division Know you're going to see him twice
5: yes <laughs>
6: yes you love it i'm in Damn. i love it. the guy is a stud obviously the guy is a stud but i really i i'm excited to see him in our division and and get a chance to see him a couple of times but but beyond that, I want to know what the hell's up with these Hall of Fame, these studs from the AFC going down to Tampa Bay. I remember whenever <laughs> Dallas Clark, Dallas Clark and I have become close over the years. He came to a show in Bloomington, Indiana, many years ago when he was still playing uh, in Indiana. And I remember when he decided, when he got, when, when he left the Colts, I, I was like, bro, you should come down to the Saints. We need a tight end. Bro, he was like, oh, no way, I'm gonna go to the NFC, and he ended up in Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. understand for the life of me. <laughs> like you. What the hell, bro? We got a squad, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be exciting, yeah, man. I think, what,
4: are you, what are you
6: doing? Yeah. I think Tom has definitely made the division a lot more exciting, and, and if if anything. Those that were going to sit on the sidelines and 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 not watch this season definitely have a lot more fireworks to look forward to, uh, and something you know something else to really sink their teeth into because, frankly, it's not been fun uh, for a long time. It's not been fun to watch the Tampa, the the, the Buccaneers, you know, go f- four and twelve and two of those frickin' games, they beat, they beat the Saints. It's not a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, tend to play down, we tend to play down to the level, you know? So uh, I, I'm looking forward to actually having some contention, some real studs in, 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 the, in the South.
4: Oh, I mean, with those offenses in the NFC South now, you're going to have games. I mean, 49-42, I feel like is going to become a <sighs> staple. So a oh, lot man. of points are going to be scored with those offenses oh, down yeah. there all right
3: no doubt about it so let's take it over I guess I didn't know this and and it kind of pisses me off a little bit because I I I I try to be aware of things that are going on in the sports world this is what we do we talk sports I guess I I guess I didn't know that like is the main rival for New Orleans Atlanta
6: did you not know this no oh yeah bro that's (laughs) that's some that's some deep sea to me Is like it's deep, it's very it runs very, very deep. In fact, I'll tell you a story about running We were in London uh, in the fall, I want to say. It might have been this year, but I think it was in last fall. We were in London, and we got uh, tickets to excuse me, we got tickets to a Chelsea Crystal Palace soccer game. We got invited Sweet. to the Nike Suite, and I'm, uh, I'm walking down the street. I ran into Dallas Clark of all people. He was there doing some commentary. <laughs> I literally run into <laughs> him randomly. Oh, Dallas, Dallas Clark. Clark. And he was there doing Sky News coverage <laughs> of, of the NFL because you know they're trying to bring they're trying to bring the NFL over there. And so, yeah. uh, anyways, me and Dallas meet up with my drummer and my guitar player, and we ended up in a pub right around the Chelsea Stadium. And there are signs on those pubs that say. For Chelsea fans only, or for Crystal Palace fans only. And you really, like, you, you can't go in there if you're an opposing fan. And I remember <laughs> my drummer saying, Oh my God, if I went to a bar in the French Quarter on Sunday and I saw him kicking out a Falcons fan, I would patronize that bar for the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: Oh, it. Yeah,
6: it's a deep-seated hatred, man. There's, right, so there's still like, you know, the 28 to 3 thing. It, 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 there are never, there, that's a never-ending joke. I promise you, it will go on forever. <laughs>
3: It's you. You guys. That's that's great. You and New England fans must be the only fans that like that because the rest of the world wanted New England because <laughs> we're just we're all so sick of New England. The rest of the world wanted New England down, and you guys are just like ah, twenty eight to three. Satan
6: could be playing against the Falcons, and we'd be rooting for <laughs> Satan. Unfortunately, let's go Satan. Bro. Go Satan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Listen, the, the cool
3: thing about your division is, uh, you know, 13-3 for the Saints, 7-9 for the Bucks. but obviously they get Tom Brady. 7-9 for the Falcons, which is just a drastic underachievement, I feel like, when you've got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and, and the talent on that team, and you, you can't win football mm-hmm. games. Uh, so let's talk about the Falcons for a minute. Uh, and you can be as mean <laughs> no, as you want. 7-9 no, no. last year, but they they add Todd Gurley. Uh, who has had an injury history, but again, Todd Gurley's a Georgia boy. He went to the University of Georgia, uh, so he's home a little bit there, and that might revitalize him a little bit. Uh, I I feel like they would worry me if they were in the division because I feel like they're just boom or bust. Like, I could see them winning 12 games, and I could see them winning four.
6: And no matter how many games they win, they always play us tough. They (laughs) always play us really, really tough. They put on... An incredible show when they come into the Superdome. It's really never fun to watch. I, I hate when we play the Falcons. It's-, it's so miserable to lose to the Falcons. Um, there's only one thing that- that's worse than losing to the Falcons, and it's losing to Cam Newton. It really is, oh. it's the worst. <laughs> but that's the only thing that ever gets worse. And again, it's it's always such a weird little division because no matter yeah. what those other three teams are doing, they always play us like it's the frickin' Super Bowl. <laughs> and we always have a tough time.
4: We always have a tough time. Matt Ryan is like the Eli Manning of the NFC South. One, one game he throws for 380 yards and four touchdowns and no pick, but the next game... He'll throw for 185 Maddie
6: yards yeah. and with no touchdowns. Yeah, Matty Melt. That's what we call him down here. Maddie <laughs> Melt. Oh, look out. <laughs> All right, so, so the 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 feeling is apparent, Mark
3: Broussard, on how we feel about the Atlanta Falcons.
6: It doesn't sound like you're too worried about it. I them. love my – I look, I love my fans in no, Atlanta. I no. love Atlanta. I think Atlanta is <laughs> one of my favorite cities on planet Earth. We, we sell an incredible – Amount of tickets they've shown me. A lot of love in Atlanta. It's, it's probably our best market. Uh, so I don't hate on the Falcons too hard. But uh, when, it, when it comes to those Sundays, when it comes to those Sundays, <laughs> screw man, screw the Falcons, bro. <laughs> screw the Falcons. Screw
3: the Falcons. So let's move a little north from Atlanta. Let's move up to Charlotte. Cam Newton gone from the Carolina Panthers. And this has got to be a little weird now because – uh, a guy that spent some time in New Orleans there really trying to learn uh, and, and make his way under Drew Gre- Drew Brees uh, is going to take the helm for the Carolina Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater Man. Uh, is going to be the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, a lot of changes in Carolina. Uh, uh, Luke keekley gone. Uh, he, he retired for health reasons. But, uh, you know, I feel like not a lot of noise is going to come from uh, like maybe national media and stuff on Carolina. But. This is Teddy Bridgewater's turn to try to shine and and uh put Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey back there and uh, that, that could be a pretty potent team. Uh, uh are you afraid Teddy maybe learned a little too much under Drew Brees?
6: <laughs> I think first and foremost Teddy's job of filling in for Drew Brees was was so outstanding. Um he really he yes. really stood out. I think that's that's why he's got you know, it's why he's got the job that he does now is because he did such an outstanding job. Um you know, it's gonna be it's it's again, it's gonna be an incredible season uh if all these squads play up to their potential. It's gonna be a very, very challenging division to get out of if they all play up to their potential. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know enough to say whether or not Teddy and, and and Christian are gonna you know connect for a thousand yards a game, but it's definitely, <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely gonna be it's definitely gonna be uh, some fireworks to to see in, in NFC, NFC South for sure. All right, so the NFC South breakdown. Here's
3: what we want you to do: start at number four and go to number one. How's that gonna finish?
5: Oh,
4: gee, I wonder who number one's gonna be. No, you don't
6: know yet. We uh, don't
4: know. <laughs> let's not ruin it let's
6: see all right number one uh the falcons number four f the falcons number one f the falcons <laughs> number two uh f the falcons number three Boom. the falcons can kiss a whole ass and number four all of the ass and number four uh <laughs> 28 to 3, the Falcons suck. <laughs> oh man.
3: I don't know if that does that mean the Falcons win the division and come in last place? I don't even what it's so. all for.
6: Probably so. Yeah. Probably.
3: <laughs> I love it. Oh, this Incredible. this makes me I'm now more and more excited to watch Saints and Falcons.
6: Oh, it's it's real, bro. It's very real. You better get with the program, son. I think it might be the most potent rivalry. Well, I can't say the most potent rivalry in football, but it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a very entertaining
3: rivalry, I should say. Listen, we're we're snobby up here about our rivalries. Mm-hmm. We're snobby about our rivalries. Oh, right, yeah. We got the Ravens; they stole our football team. <laughs> they literally stole our football team, and then they won the Super Bowl yeah. like f- five years later. So. Yeah. Obviously Cleveland Pittsburgh. Oh, you know, no. we gotta we there's just the two cities hate each other and the only two things they compete in, the only thing they compete in are football. <laughs> like the baseball teams don't play each other. It's they don't the have a basketball team. We don't have a hockey team.
6: Well it's really the same with the with with the Falcons and the Saints. I mean the yeah. Pelicans and the and the yeah. Hawks don't really don't really have much of a rivalry, but the Falcons and the Saints have it's it's a real rivalry. It's a very, very real rivalry. Yeah. Now, I- I've never seen real brawls break out, but that's probably mostly due to the f- fact that the Falcons don't really have fans. They don't really have passionate fans. <laughs> So, oh, 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 oh. so when they lose,
3: you gotta, Hey, you got to sell stuff in Atlanta. Remember you got, you got, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we don't have a big fan base in Atlanta, but you got to remember that. I
6: mean, how many times have you seen somebody sporting a Falcons jersey? Think about it. Not, not one. Think about not it. Not one up
4: here. <laughs> uh,
3: Michael Vick ears, Maybe. Maybe. It's been a while. It's
6: been a minute. It's been a minute.
3: Come on, we all knew how to do the dirty bird back in the day, Jamal.
4: <laughs> oh, oh! When it was when it was twenty eight to three, I was so excited the Falcons were beating the Patriots. I posted a video to Facebook of me doing the dirty bird. Oh my god, <laughs> the dirty bird!
3: Uh oh, he's gonna—he's like, I gotta get off yeah. right now.
6: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can't handle Falcon love around here, bro.
4: But that's just—I love y'all, Atlanta. But that's just because I was like anybody, but. the people. I was like anybody but the Patriots at that time. Just please anybody. Yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> anybody
3: but the Falcons. All right, so we.
4: So yeah, we got, there you go.
3: Got a feeling that that we're going to put the Saints uh, at, at the top, and then I just feels like the rest of the division is uh, F the Falcons. That's correct. Uh, so we'll roll with that.
6: That's correct. We can
3: roll with that. That's the official ranking. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I want to know here's the only other thing I want to know. Uh you're down there in SEC territory. Obviously your Tigers had uh, one hell of a year uh with Joe Burrow winning the national title, uh coming back to Ohio then getting drafted by the Bengals, which is funny cuz he goes from the Tigers to the Bengals. <laughs> uh uh you got Death Valley down there. One of the great tailgate scenes I've ever seen in my whole life is at Death Valley. It's amazing. Uh uh uh, we were not uh, when I was at a we were not an SDC team, but we did still have that little LSU rivalry because there was an old one from way back in the day. Sure. Uh, but all I remember, because we used to drive to New Orleans a bit uh, back in the college days to have a little fun. Uh, I, I've been told I was at New Orleans for a New Year's one time. <laughs> uh, I think so. They drop a baby. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is familiar, but they like drop a baby. Not a real baby, Sure, but like oh, instead good. of the ball coming down in <laughs> New York, it's like a glowing baby that comes down. It's great. Uh, what's the story of the baby? Do you know the story of the baby?
6: Uh, the baby is is representative of the of the baby that they place inside of a king cake. So a king cake is is a, a traditional oh. Mardi Gras cake, yeah. and you place a little tiny toy plastic baby inside the cake, and whoever gets the slice with the baby in the cake has to buy the cake for the next year, for next year's Mardi Gras. That's just symbolic. I just remember it
3: was so crowded down there. I was well, so crowded down there and all I had to do was go to the bathroom <laughs> and there was just no way I was getting in anywhere. So I went to one of this, the weird strip clubs towards the end of, the, uh, end of Bourbon Street down there uh-huh. and I literally paid a cover to get in just to go to the bathroom and then leave the strip club and go back out. But it was not, I was not making good decisions.
6: Yeah, it gets dark down at the end of Bourbon Street, bro. It gets <laughs> real dark down at the end of Bourbon Street. Yeah, it's crazy down there. Uh, I love it. So oh, the only really, question yeah. I have
3: the thing the the thing I remember this uh, driving back and forth from Texas to New Orleans. Do they still have? Is there still a gas station with a tiger?
6: I believe. The the tiger stop is still there. I don't know if they actually still have a tiger there, though. I want to say that the tiger is gone. It was the craziest thing. (laughs) What? I kind of hope the tiger is
3: gone because the cage was, like, not big enough for a tiger.
6: A 12-foot by 8-foot cage for a a full-grown tiger. Yeah, it was sad. It's really sad.
3: But, yeah, we pulled over, and it's just a gas station and then there's just a cage with a tiger in it, like a full, full ass tiger. Just kind of walking around, even though it can't really walk around in there. So I'm glad to hear it's gone, but uh, yeah, you could just kind of walk right up to it and lose a limb if you wanted to.
6: (laughs) Yeah. It's like behind a hurricane. It's like behind a hurricane fence, you know, just behind a a chain link fence, just hanging out. (gasps) Yeah. There it is.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got a picture of it. Yeah. It's the craziest. That was a, oh that's the craziest Louisiana thing I have ever I I spent a good amount of time in Louisiana. It's a beautiful place. It is a it is a uh, it's kind of a haunting place which in a lot of places uh which is really cool about it, but that the Tiger stop <laughs> was the
6: craziest thing I ever saw. That, that place, place has really good gumbo by the way. Really? Okay. Oh yeah, that place has fantastic food, man. Okay. Some of the best trucks. I was booyah. so thrown off by the tiger.
2: Never,
3: <laughs> <laughs> ever. I don't know. I pulled into a gas station. There was a tiger in a small cage. I was probably like,
4: eh, "We don't need to." Eat here. <laughs> now, I've only ever been. Now I've only ever been to Bossier in Shreveport. Okay, right? You know, because back when I was broadcasting my hockey days, you know, I, I, you know, we, one of our opponents were the Mud Bugs down there, down, down there in Shreveport. Sure. So. I, I don't know. But since we're on the Louisiana culture, can you explain Creole to me, Mark? <laughs> can you explain? Is it like a certain language? You can probably speak Louisiana? it. What's the language? Like, what is what it? Explain it to me if you could. Okay.
6: So, so the Cajun people and the Creole people are two distinct sets of, of uh, they have two different sets yep. of ancestors. And it, it really breaks down along racial lines. But essentially, it's, it's white people with French heritage and black folks with French heritage. And uh, they have okay. distinct cuisines. They have distinct like uh, methods of cooking, different dishes or the same dishes even. Uh, Creole gumbo and a Cajun gumbo aren't necessarily going to be exactly the same. A Cajun etouffee and a Creole etouffee aren't necessarily going to be the same. But there's a significant amount of overlap Culturally speaking, uh, language, the language is very, very similar. Um, the, the Cajun French language and the Creole French language are, are basically identical. They're just unevolved forms of Parisian French. So they're, they're, they're sort of 400-year-old versions of Parisian French that never evolved beyond, beyond where they were imported into South Louisiana. So it's just an old dialect of French is what it is. But yeah, it's it's basically just the difference between Cajun and Creole. Generally, you would recognize as as being a racial difference.
3: There are people down there speaking English. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there is no understanding what's like. You have to be from there to get what's going on. I remember the first time I heard like a real heavy accent like that, and I just stood there like I. I, I know you're speaking English words, but I am not picking up any of them.
6: Man, if, so there's a lot of Catholics. You know, I, I was raised Roman Catholic. And uh, my brother tells this story about being in church in a little tiny, little tiny town called Eunice, Louisiana. And Eunice is about as Cajun as they come. And there are beautiful girls in, in Eunice. I mean, just some of the most beautiful gals that you'll ever see in your life. And so my brother says he's sitting in church one day in Eunice. He's hanging out with a buddy from Eunice and they went to church and he said he sees the most gorgeous girl he's ever seen in his life get up to go read the readings for mass. And he's stunned by her beauty and all of a sudden she she opens the book up and she steps to the microphone. And she says, "A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians." <laughs> Oh
2: no.
0: no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. I'm getting out of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing.
4: It's a real it's uh, a weird
6: thing too because it happens right around Eunice, Eunice and Ville Platte are right on this side of the bayou. And then Grand Prairie is on the other side of the bayou. And it's, it really goes, yeah. it goes from, hey, where y'all at, babe? How you do? Where's your mama and them? What y'all been up to, Sha? It goes from that in Ville Platte and Eunice to, hey, y'all, where y'all doing? What's going down? How you, how you been <laughs> all right? How's your mama, dad, and them? It goes across a bayou oh, no. in Grand Prairie. <laughs> it turns into a real southern drawl. It's a very interesting dividing line. Oh, uh,
3: I, I prefer the
6: other side. <laughs>
3: I, I like the first accent. <laughs> All right, Mark Broussard. So I got one last question for you. Cause we'll, uh, we'll end up, uh, playing a little Mark Broussard as you, as you head out. So we're going to, we're going to let singer's choice. What song should we play Mark Broussard out to as, as we wrap things up here?
6: Oh, you got to take him out with, with home, man. That's, that's, that's the one. All right.
3: That's easy. Let's yeah. take him home. That's easy. We're gonna take them home. I appreciate and it. And you came to us from your home, man. And and listen, man, this was awesome. We had a great time. Thank you for joining us, telling your story, and mm-hmm. and for real, uh, uh, the not just the music, not just the talent, but the 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 philanthropy, the stuff that you're doing for the communities, not just your community, but the communities around Louisiana, Atlanta, what you told us about, and everywhere you're doing. That's uh, uh, an incredible story uh, and, and uh, a legacy that you'll be able to hang that hat on. So. Keep working on those projects too but uh man what a great story and, and thank you so much i know chad's got uh something for sure as we head out
4: yeah hey mark i sure. I, I just want to um <laughs> i might get a little emotional here so i apologize <laughs> um you know like i said I, I told you i've been a fan since 2009 uh I, I lost my brother uh a little less than two years ago um it, it way too soon uh, and and it put me in the, in the darkest place I've ever been in, in my life. Um, so, in fact, so dark, there was a, there was a a time that I thought I might not be here today. Um, you know, I, I I was, I'm, I'm, I'm not real good at expressing my emotions, so I apologize, but, um, uh, you know, I, I harbored a lot of guilt from that because we weren't very close when he passed Mm. and I still harbor guilt today. And, and, and I, you know, I, I, as I was sitting in that car, and and yeah, I, I was thinking about my kids, and my kids are what pulled me in, but I still was just an emotional wreck. And every time I laid down in bed at night, the only thing that would calm me down and be able to get me to sleep was Jeremiah's prayer. Mm. Uh, and and I, I just listened to that song over and over again, and you helped me... It, it, it calmed me down, man. It gave me a sense of he's all right. Yeah, bro. You know, and, and I just, I just want to thank you and and the 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 opportunity to be able to the, the, the fact that you said yes, the fact that you said yes to this, and I got opportunity to talk to you means more to me than you'll ever know. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on, man. <laughs> Brother, you have no
6: idea what 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 yeah, a story appreciate- like that does for for me. You know, it, it it sort of reaffirms that I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and uh, and I'm glad that you're still here, bro. I, I really am. I'm you know, obviously yeah. losing somebody like that and having regrets is is really difficult to get through. Uh, but I'm sure glad that you're still here, and' I'm I, I considering an honor that you boys have me on, so thank you. I'd love to come back sometime. Oh,
3: we'll have you back, but we'll probably make you sing next time. Okay,
6: <laughs> I can can do can do. <laughs> All
3: right, man. Well, hey uh for us here at garage beers mark broussard thank you so much for joining us it was it was awesome we had a great time with you and, and we will we'll have you on again and uh, uh you uh, you'll have to find some other good louisiana beers to suggest for us all right Done deal appreciate you boys y'all take care and that was uh just a, an, an incredible artist mark broussard if, if you if you're if you're not familiar uh get on pretty much any uh music site and uh and look him up and uh uh, we're just so appreciative that he came on that he was able to share some time with us and uh man some great stories some some great entertainment uh and some good heartfelt moments too so uh, uh super appreciative to mark broussard for coming on with us and uh and boys that's going to wrap us up uh for this edition of the garage beers podcast so uh for chad over there on the east side for uh, joey down in nashville i'm michael Keith. Again, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, share us with your friends. You can find us all over social media at the Garage Beers pod. And then our social, our Twitter names at Garage Beers Mike, at Garage Beers Chad, at Garage Beers Joe. And until next week, uh, cheers, everybody, and uh, have a great week.
6: When it realized we had nothing to fear It's just me and my daddy and a kid named Cope Making music that nobody would hear And then the sun lit up and it split the night filling over our jubilee Ten thousand cars by the side of the road Moving far as the eye can see So it took me home done finally found said this greyhound is delta bound mama baby boy done finally found his way home and we're back well tax season's here folks and you know
7: Hi there. Whoa,
4: where'd you come from?
7: April here to tell you about the tax filing software from TaxAct. Uh, seriously, were you like hiding behind my desk? Seriously. TaxAct makes it easy to get your maximum refund.
4: Well, you heard it here first, folks.
7: Switch to TaxAct today and you can start for free.
4: Or as we say in Radio Land.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. <laughs>
2: TaxAct. File for less and get more.
4: See TaxAct.com for details.
2: The moment you realized you were mistaking your kids for co-workers.
6: Okay, team, I'm uh, taking my 15 now.
5: Taking 15 what?
2: Was the moment you knew it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, our simple, customizable search tool lets you search for part-time, full-time, and even work-from-home jobs. So you can find a job that fits your lifestyle. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com.